In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the everyone and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. Uh-oh, got some feedback. That's weird. Anyways, uh, with me all the way from across the pond is the young Mr. Cal Cooper, parapsychologist extraordinaire. How are you, sir? I'm okay. Not 100%, but I'm here. <laughs> yeah, mad, yeah. Mad headache. It really, really is annoying. Is it like something going on around there, or is it just uh, paranormal? No, no, it's just me. Just me. I've... Um... I've got some um, medicine here, so that might help. <laughs> huh. So Especially weird. <laughs> uh, you know so what? how are you anyway, Ron? Oh, excellent, excellent. I know that we're trying to track down our demonologist, but evidently uh, having a little bit of difficulty uh, getting a hold of him, but uh, hopefully we'll have him on shortly. But uh, we did an investigation, oh, I think it was last week, at a uh, jail in downtown Boston. It was one of those things where the jail was going away, and it was like the only opportunity to investigate it. Oh, wow. So yeah. what did you get out of that? Um, did you get, get anything on film, or did any unusual experiences occur? Unusual experience. You know, the, the most interesting thing, and it's one of those things you really can't put your finger on. It's it's the uh, the problem with with uh, devices that stop working. You know, I mean, was that your be, was that your K two meter? <laughs> actually, no, it wasn't my K two meter. It was uh, somebody else's EMF meter, a flashlight, and. Uh, was another one. I can't remember what the hell the other one was, but there was a flashlight that just stopped working. Uh, K two meter, say, I'm not K two uh, EMF meter, and I forget what the other thing was. There was one other thing that just didn't work at all. Oh, the uh, uh, laser grid uh, just gone. And I mean, before I go on an investigation, I always replace all the batteries and and all the equipment. So I mean, there shouldn't be any problems with with any of them. But guess what? What was the what was the condition of the jail like? Was it cold and damp, or was it uh, actually quite dry? It, it was not warm, but it wasn't like freezing. It was above freezing, uh, damp. Um, 
I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, not overly damp. I mean, I'm sure there was moisture. Uh, there is moisture, you know, some humidity at all times. Because uh, so. we have learned before that moisture in the air or at least a, an environment generally that's damp, especially a haunted location, well, any location really, but it's, it's many people experience this at haunted locations because it's the only place that people go about carrying equipment and notice failure. But when moisture gets between or in the equipment or between the batteries, it can cause sudden spontaneous problems with the equipment, such as it just not working and failing because it affects the connectivity of the battery and the power source to the actual equipment that we're using, just getting moisture between it. Generally, just taking the batteries out and putting them back in makes it work again. You know, if you give them a bit of a rub or you rub them on your jacket and put them back in, it's something um, at least every investigator should consider if they do get something that suddenly fails. No, I think that's a great idea, Cal. Yeah, I think think that's an awesome idea because, uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's a constant problem uh mm. we do investigate so i i think i will do that next time we do run into some type of a, a failure we will take that out retouch the, the battery up or rub them up and uh, put them back in and see if there is a difference if it's a new battery every time let me know if it does make a difference now it, it is a new battery i mean we like i said i replace all the batteries when when we go out on an investigation so i mean that's uh a gimme but mm. uh well, I, I see. I see Mr. Frisbee in the uh, um, chat room, so I believe he is with the, with us now. So um, we would like to introduce this uh, young gentleman from the UK, Mr. Michael uh, Frisbee. Uh, Michael, are you there? I am, sir. Can you hear me? I can very well. Uh, I'm actually from the U.S. You are. Yes. Okay. Run. <laughs> that's that's, very, that's very good research on my part. <laughs> yes. But but if you all need me to speak in a bit of an accent, I can certainly do that. Oh, that's much better. <laughs> Is so, that so my, Mike, Michael, where are you from? I'm actually uh, originally out of Pennsylvania, but currently I'm living uh, in uh, southwest of Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, I saw the little southern drawl there for a little bit. Yeah, that that kind of comes and goes. Like, haven't quite gotten acclimated to the south yet. You know, it's interesting though, and and I kind of, you know, that was kind of a tip because, in in reality, there aren't too many demonologists outside of the USA. I mean, it's kind of like a, a USA thing, a demonologist. Yeah, yeah. Basically, when it comes to the demonologist part, that's just basically to explain that I've studied demons. But the uh, real work that I do is in deliverance ministry. Meaning? Meaning helping people who are being oppressed or being, uh, are suffering the attacks of the demonic. Mm-hmm. There, there's, a, there's several things that I go through to kind of get to that point to determine whether or not a person is truly being attacked by the demonic. Uh, I don't just go in and say, oh, you, 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 you know, obviously you're boom, boom, boom. No, I do have a gift of discernment. I can kind of feel when, when there's a, a, a uh, spirit in, in, uh, involved. Mm-hmm. But what I like to do is 
first I have make sure that they've had some kind of mental health evaluation to, to eliminate that, have some kind of medical evaluation, eliminate anything on that end, and then we started delving into the spiritual. And when, when, you know, from there, if there's truly a demonic attack going on, I help to remove that, that from them and deliver them into a, uh, a free life. Now, that's interesting. Now, I know, Cal, that, that in the U.K., there's not a, a lot of belief in uh, demonologists. Is that correct? Well, uh, this, this a, the main thing is not so much the, uh, not a whole lot of belief in the demonologists, but not a whole lot of belief in demons, which is kind of scary when the reality is that they're all around us. Um, okay. <laughs> How would you um, go? Uh, you said that they go through numerous tests straight away. Um, before you actually even begin to consider that demons or um, these spirits are involved. How do they actually go through a psychological analysis? Have you got uh, psychologists and psychiatrists that you, you send them to one first and then they have well, an analysis and then go to the next and then they come to you? Well, what, do I do about that process? what I do here in the United States, almost every county has a mental health department. All right, and, and for those who who don't have the means or so forth to just to go and make an appointment with a psychiatrist for for uh, a review, what I do is I recommend them to contact their county health uh, mental health department and set up a time to go in and be evaluated. All right, and I tell them you don't even have to tell them that you know you you think you're being attacked by demons. Just go in there and ask for for a general analysis. All right, you you just you've been bothered by this or you've been depressed about that, and and just have them you know check you out because their testing and so forth will reveal a lot. And I ask them to, to uh, if they have those results, where they can send them to me. That helps me in being able to get a good idea of where they are. The other part is there are certain physical medical issues that can lead to effects on the brain as well. All right, and I want to make sure that they've got good health going on and it's not a health issue that's causing them to maybe have auditory or visual hallucinations. And that's, that's what you can do through their own doctor or, or our local medical center. Hmm. How, how could you rule out things such as suppressed memories? Because I remember a few cases where some people have been seeing apparitions and ghosts and they immediately thought the person was schizophrenic, so obviously suffering from uh, psychological abnormalities. And when they were sent on to a psychiatrist, the, in one case in particular, the psychiatrist refused to um, believe that it was schizophrenia. They thought, okay, let's just counsel this person as though they are genuinely seeing ghosts. And it turned out that this person had um, got repressed memories of sexual abuse and general abuse and just memories that had been left to rest and not been brought to present. They were actually causing the person to see apparitions. So have you ever come across that before? And if, if you did, how would you actually kind of tackle something like that from your perspective? Well, generally, uh, some like that can be, uh, from what I've seen in the uh, psychological and psychiatric fields, suppressed memories, there is an indication of that when, when they go through an evaluation, and that's something they can kind of hone in on to. But uh, where they're 
the few times that, that I've run into a case where they were kind of, you know, missed, uh, it's, it, it takes a lot of counseling. You know, you, this isn't just something where you go in and, you know, you talk with them for a few hours and boom, it's done. You know, you work with these people over a course of weeks. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times, some of these things is just a matter of a fear situation. All right. And th- for some reason, there's been a major upset in their life. And they, they've just got a lot of fear in, in all this input from TV and movies. And it has, has all kinds of things, may have some thinking, all kinds of different things going on. And uh, I've had cases where all I've had to do is provide some prayers for them, get them working through that, and everything seems to clear up. And it's just a matter that, you know, they had a major stressor going on. They had major fear going on. And once they felt that that was dealt with, all the things that were bothering suddenly dropped away. And that can be dealt with through, through depression as well. Are these generally religious people? I, I mainly take cases that, that you have a uh, belief in Jesus Christ. Uh, because most, I am a Christian demonologist. Uh, most of my work is, as I said, in deliverance. So I am a born-again Christian. And you know, when I have a case where a person is not a believer in God or a believer in Christ, there's not much I can do to help them. And, well, uh, uh, I'm going to kind of, like, disagree with you here in that if you believe in, I mean, you're a born-again Christian, so you definitely believe in Jesus Christ. So you can still evoke his his name to drive out demons. I mean, that's... I, I can, yes. But if the person is not a believer, all right, from my, from my faith, that this person's not a believer and is unwilling to accept Jesus Christ or the fact that there is a God, the problem is going to come back because it's very clear. That, in this. That's true. Right. Yeah. Okay, I understand that. Okay. Right. I mean, I, I, and be, in, in reality, I, have, uh, I am Catholic, and I've gone on exorcisms with the, the Catholic Church, Shanks and exorcisms. I also work with a uh, Franciscan uh, who was uh, an exorcist for the Catholic Church as well. So... I'm I, familiar with your territory, let's put it that way. Excellent. So, I mean, so, we actually have a question in, in the uh, the chat room, and this is kind of interesting. It goes, uh, this is from Spooky uh, Palooza. She says, uh, if uh, half the murderers in the world were happened because of demonic possession, uh, we put in innocent people to death. That's the shot of it. Uh, it is a person that murders, are they possessed by a demon? That's a really tough question, and it's a good question as well. Mm-hmm. I believe in, in some cases there might be that driving them, but I would not say that it's as high as half. I, I wouldn't even say they're as high as a quarter. Right. Right? There's just, this just plain evil people out there. All right, they don't need any uh, any uh, prodding by uh, demons and so forth to follow that nature. We're we're all sinners. We all we all have that going on in us, just some more so than others. But uh, but yeah, and, and you'll find a lot <clears throat> in the studies that I've seen. 
a lot of people who who do do these murders, they have some kind of men, mental defect, all right? And that that you know they're not thinking the way we think. Uh, it justifies it in their heads. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. But uh, but in some cases, you do have a demon there driving an individual to the point of killing. They hear the voices. They hear the you know whatever is driving them, and they they abide it. Right. And the interesting I, thing about that is um, when I did my uh, first degree in psychology, I, I did a few modules of criminology, and uh, even one of the modern textbooks that had just come out at the time that I bought called Theories of Crime, there was one short chapter that explained that if all rational explanations for crime or murder are ruled out, there's no psychological abnormalities with the criminal, there's no motives, no one was egging them on to do it, that they couldn't find any possible explanation for why they bothered to commit this act of crime. The demonic theory is still actually considered in law, and I, I couldn't believe that, but it, it was there, and it explains how it's actually applied and considered, but that's like a last-case scenario. <laughs> That, that's amazing that, that they'd have that in there. I'm very surprised. Yeah. Psychologists and psychiatrists don't generally like to hear about the spiritual or the you know, things they deal with God and demons and so forth. No. no. How, what would you actually define as a demon? What would you define as a ghost? Well, here's the funny thing, <laughs> uh, and this is where the uh, Catholic faith and, and, and Christian faith kind of depart in, in regards to this. <clears throat> According to the scriptures that I've studied and, and what I've learned over the years, there are no such things as ghosts as what we define them in paranormal field. All right. Most people define a ghost as a human apparition, uh, someone, a human spirit that's been trapped on earth, human spirit seeking to uh, basically uh, finish business un, uh, that's, un, that's not completed, things of that nature. All right. But the scriptures are real clear in the fact that when we die, that we receive our judgment in our on our reward or or our penance, which is either heaven or hell. There there is no in between period. And in fact, I'm doing a uh, uh, a piece this Saturday on my show uh, where we're discussing what the scriptures actually say regarding purgatory. So I'm sure we're going to have a very lively debate that night. But right. uh, but the thing is, uh, demons are very simply this. Demons are the fallen angels that had rebelled with Lucifer against the throne throne of God. Whoops. Well, I'm going to shut that down real quick. All right. Okay. Um, but, a, uh, but, yeah, that, that's all they are. They're, they're fallen angels. And they've been on here since before the time of Adam. And uh, they've seen and heard every life that's ever been lived on, on this planet in all the ages. So when, when people think they're connecting in with a, a human spirit, they're actually being tricked. They're being deceived. They're, they're being pulled in or lulled in by a demon trying to trap us into this belief and trying to draw us away from scriptural truth. 
Because if they can get us thinking that, well, the Bible's wrong, here's human ghosts, or, you know, oh, I, I contacted my, my dead Aunt Lily, and she showed me where this and this was, all right, then that that's, that helps them win what they're trying to do, which is get us to walk away from God. But, I mean, even, I mean, it depends upon your, your religion. I mean, for instance, the Greeks believe that when a uh, person dies, the, their spirits roam the earth for 40 days. So it, it's not uncommon for them to be seen uh, or uh, witnessed by someone. Uh, but the, but the thing is, I haven't seen anything in the scriptures that say that. From your, your particular uh, viewpoint. No, right. from my Bible. <laughs> from your Bible, right. Yeah. right. Mm. From, my, from my Bible, I haven't found anything about us roaming the earth for 40 days. Right, but yeah. according to the Greek religion, that, that is what they believe in. Mm. Yeah, yeah. like in Islamic tradition, they also have the jinn, and they believe that the jinn will take the form of man when man dies, and it's his double, but it's not actually his personality anymore, it's a demon, and therefore the, the demon of the jinn can roam the earth and enter a man through the mouth and possess them as well. And that's yeah, the, uh, derived all the way from ancient Egyptian uh, belief as well, so they've all got these different takes on what a ghost is and how it has... Right. Uh, Right. And, and, and I have and I have studied other religions and so forth. I and I've looked at the way demons have presented themselves in various cultures, so that I can understand when I'm dealing with a particular couple or individual, if they're of a di different ethnicity or different religion and so forth. You know, I'll I'll try to understand where they're coming from, and then I'll try to bring them to the point where I understand things. And, and try to come to a meeting of the mind if I can. Right? But I found, found most success in what I do if I'm able to get them to understand and accept Jesus as the ultimate authority over the demonic, because that's what he is. He is the ultimate authority. Right. So, I mean, it's clearly evident that you don't believe that any of these uh, mediums that can cross over spirits to the light uh, if is that correct? That's correct because there, God doesn't need our help to cross someone over. All right, he's he's a big guy. He can handle bringing people over once they pass, bring them over into heaven or put, putting them in hell. Yeah, there's there's no uh, there's no doubt in regards to that. So, so when the mediums are making contact with these spirits, what they're truly doing is they're making contact with a demonic force. All right? And these things can present themselves in many, many forms. You know, they can present themselves as a grandfatherly uncle, uncle right. uh, robber or, you know, a, a matronly uh, Miss Amy, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, that's, uh, we believe that as well, that they can present themselves as anything. But we actually have a question from the uh, Tojanet chat room, and that's from Cindy. She said she's been battling demons of negativity, low self-esteem for years. She is Christian, and she still battles these demons within. Uh, she's prayed and worked to get rid of them, but they keep returning. Uh, she truly believes in Jesus Christ, and but acknowledges uh, demons exist any suggestions how to rid her of these demons for good well, right up your alley 
Yep, right up my alley. The first, the first thing that needs to be done is is making sure that your full faith and trust is in Jesus Christ. Right. Once you make sure of that, then you, all you need to do is, with authority and with confidence, declare that, go, I declare by the authority of Jesus Christ and by the anointing of his blood, I command you to depart from me and cease and desist. Right. That's the short form. Now... For people who are feeling that this is a, like an ongoing thing, I have prayers that specifically target this kind of situation, and I can, you know, I can present those prayers to Cindy if she wants to contact me. I can get those prayers to her, and what it does is it helps to build their faith, build their trust, you know, in regards to Jesus being able to handle this for them, and it also helps to suppress and slowly kill the energy to the uh, forces that she's dealing with. Okay. So uh, on that note, how can people contact you if they do have a problem? And do you have a website you would like to uh, give out this time as well? Yes, I actually have two websites. Um, the deliverance work I do through archangelparanormal.com. Mm -hmm. right. And uh, my church ministry is libertygospelministries.com. I can be reached either way. Okay. And, uh, I mean, uh, you're a born-again Christian, so um, what was your original religion, or was it just uh, well, when, straight? Well, when I was, when I was 16, uh, well, let me go back. My, uh, my father started physically and emotionally abusing me when I was like 11 years old. And after a year of dealing with this, I happened to come across a book on candle magic. And it talked about how I could, I could get power and control in my life through this candle magic. And, you know, that really hit home for me. So I started doing candle magic, but it didn't seem to be working. So I kind of went a little further. And before I knew it, I was deep into Wicca and black magic and all kinds of stuff. Uh, when I turned 16, uh, about halfway through my 16th year, I came down with a really, really nasty case of kidney stones in both of my kidneys, really big ones that were, were cutting my kidneys up pretty bad. And uh, it was so bad that I was taking uh, painkillers and everything else that you can imagine for about every four hours just to manage the pain I was in. I tried all the black magic, the witchcraft, all the different stuff that I knew to try to, to deal with this thing as well as the Western medicine. After about two weeks of this, uh, and after a very harrowing night, my, uh, my mother came in during the, in the morning time and turned on the TV to the 700 Club. And my mother has always been a very, very spiritual, very church-based uh, lady. And uh, I started cussing her out and telling her to turn that channel, get, get that garbage off the TV. And she told me to, you know, sit back, shut up, and my, I might learn something. And uh, so I sat there, and I begrudgingly listening because I could bar barely, you know, stand the idea of getting up, uh, let alone, you know, dealing with it. 
Michael, but, I, I hate to I hate to interrupt you now, but we actually have to take a break right now. We we'll continue okay. this when we come back on the flip side. Sorry about that. That's all right. And we always get into a great great story when this happens. But anyways, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Cal Cooper and Ron Kolick, and our very special guest is Michael Frisbee, and we'll be right back after the following messages on Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Everything you heard about witches is true. Halloween is the time of year when the shades of the dead whisper from forgotten places and spirits walk among us. The witches of Salem, Massachusetts, honor this time with Festival of the Dead, an annual event series that explores death's macabre customs, heretical histories, and strange rituals. Founded by Salem witches, Sean Poirier and Christian Day, and hosted by the foremost authorities on the spirit world, Festival of the Dead beckons guests who step through the veil into a mysterious realm where spirits await you. To learn more or to purchase tickets, visit festivalofthedead.com or call 978-740-9783. Happy Halloween! <laughs> And I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so we have, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Cal Cooper and Ron Kolick, and our very special guest is, uh, should I call you Reverend or? Yeah, uh, Pastor Mike or Mike Frisbee, uh, it doesn't matter. Okay, Pastor Mike uh, uh, Frisbee, and we are live on 
Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Town, and beyond. So there you go. Anyways, um, do you believe in uh, a hierarchy of demons? Now, wait a minute. We, wait a minute. We're right in the middle of your story. Let's finish your story first. My my apologies. Oh, that's all right. Well, well, ba- basically, try to run through this a little fast faster. They had a calling for people who needed healing. And I kind of got in my head, all right, God, let's just see how powerful you really are. And one of the things you're not supposed to do, which is challenge God. But uh, anyways, I made my way upstairs to my my mom's room. They had an extension. I didn't want my mom knowing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I made my way upstairs, got on her, her extension. I called in to the number. And I got this lady on there, and she, she said, what, what kind of healing are you, are you seeking? And I told her about my kidneys, and she goes, all right, well, we can get started on that, but there's some other issue that we need to deal with, isn't there? And I, I don't know what you're talking about. No, no, there's something there, I can tell. I don't know what you mean. Because you're practicing witchcraft, aren't you? And I was just dumbfounded. I, I was just couldn't even respond. And huh. then I started denying it. And she goes, no, no, you, you know, if we're going to help you, you need to come clean on this. So finally, I, you know, I admitted, yeah, I was practicing witchcraft and so forth. And she goes, well, before we can heal you, we need you to bring you to Christ. Is that something you're willing to th- consider? And I, you know, she talked a little bit more about it and, and reasons why I got into witchcraft. She goes, son, son we, we can do this very simply. All you have to do is pray with me and believe in your heart that you, Jesus Christ will come into you. So we did it. And, and the moment I said I accept Jesus Christ into my heart and in my life, I, I just felt like this huge weight just come right up off, off of me. Like all this oppression, all this hate, all the, everything just came right up out of me. All right? And then she goes, now you're ready to pray for healing. And we started praying. And as we did this, I felt this like, you know how just, just as your foot is going to sleep, there's that warm fuzziness without the tingling, the, the sharp little tack tingles? Well, that kind yep. of fuzziness started up around my feet. And start working up the calves of my legs, up into my thighs, and then up into my gut, and right up to my throat as we were praying. And when it hit my throat, I just couldn't speak anymore. And when I, when I went silent, the lady goes, I think, it's, I think you're ready. So I want you to go downstairs, lay down, and, and nap for a while. And when you wake up, you're going to be healed. So... I don't. I, all I remember is like in a haze. I remember going down down the stairs. I remember walking past my mother in the kitchen, and then she kind of followed me into where I where I was staying in the family room because it was so hard to get upstairs to my bed. And I laid down on the couch. She kind of brought the the blanket up over me, and about eight hours later, now I hadn't had a painkiller in about three hours. All right. I I wake it, wake up eight hours later. First time I've slept that long in two weeks. There wasn't a hint of pain, not a hint. I went to the bathroom, use that cone little thing, make sure I catch any stones that might come out. Not only was nothing coming out, but I had no blood in my urine anymore. 
for two weeks, I'd had blood in my urine. I, no blood in my urine. So I went out. I told my mother, you know, you know that there's no blood and all this and that. There's no pain. She's kind of freaking out. So she calls the doctor. He said, get him up here right away. Now, just the night before, I had all these x-rays done to see where they were. And they were talking about taking me in for surgery. All right. I get back. I get up there to the medical center. They take the X-rays, the blood work, urine, you know, urine test, the whole bit. Not only did the X-rays show that there is not one sign of a stone in there, there is no sign of any scarring. There are perfect, perfectly healthy kidneys. Not only did was there no trace of any blood whatsoever in my urine. But there's absolutely no trace of any medicines in it, nor was there a trace of any kind of medications whatsoever in my bloodstream. My doctor was dumbfounded. Could As not, he should be. Yeah, could not understand how the mess that I was the night before is it was a perfect uh, pillar of health today, you know, that day. And... I explained to my mom and the doctor what I did with the phone call and stuff. And both of them just, they had to accept the fact that I received a miracle healing. And that's, that's when I was delivered up from witchcraft and so forth. Uh, the next day, my mom and I gathered all my, all my witchcraft and Wicca and all that stuff. And we burned it and, and we buried it and we consecrated the ground over it. And I never went back. But I spent the next seven years having to do the spiritual war because my former coven members, I was a part of a coven, and there was adults and teens in this thing. And they could not accept what I had done. They felt that I was a traitor and uh, you know, that I needed to be destroyed, you know, if, if not physically, but at least spiritually destroyed. And they sent attack after attack after attack at me. So over the seven years, I had to learn about demons. I had to learn how they operated, how to deal with them, how to fight them, how to arm myself against them. And that's what brought me to the point seven years later where I finally succeeded and was fully victorious in my battles. And I decided now it's time for me to take what I've learned and use it in God's glory to help others. So, I mean, how did you get into, how did you, you make that jump from that into parent, the paranormal? Well, the thing is, most of the people that, that come across, you know, that run into demons, there's a lot of it going on in the paranormal. A lot of people don't even realize that they are dealing with it. You know, and a lot of your intelligent haunts, what you think is a human spirit, really isn't. And that, that's something that, that I'm trying to, you know, I, I spent 22 years work, working in a deliverance ministry and stuff, and most of it was pretty, pretty quiet, behind the scenes kind of thing. I only took referrals, you know, or God would put me in the path of someone that was dealing with this, and I'd help them, or I, you know, they would be put in my path and I, you know, and I'd help them. But 
recently here, you know, I was I spent the last ten years or so as a constitutional activist, and before that, I was in in politics and whatnot, helping out with different things. And so I had a, a very public life, and I had a very private life. And I used my uh, my great grandmother was a, a, a Seneca medicine woman, and when I was born, she gave me a Seneca name. So I use that Seneca name in my work as in the deliverance, and I use my Christian name in my public life, doing you know different kind of things with uh, politics. Well, there was a uh, a time back in July here that. My political work, I seemed to be running into a logger's head. I didn't, you know, I had a great plan, a great strategy in helping, you know, the people here in the United States regain control of what's happening in Congress. And I was trying to get this plan out there to get people educated in it and start operating in it uh, within their own precincts, within, you know, in their communities. But everyone was saying, oh, this is great, this is awesome, you know, let's do it, and you go ahead, you get started. But they weren't willing to take the one hour a month to do it themselves. And I'm like, why am I not reaching these people? What am I doing wrong? And I got down on my knees, and I'm like, God, what am I doing wrong? And after about a week of this heavy praying, it, it, it came back to me. This, this very loud and clear voice came back to me. This is not the path I set for you. I was not meant to be a politician. I was not meant to be in a political life. So I retired from politics completely. I don't involve myself in politics anymore. Now, I'll have a nice discussion about constitutional right. grounds and whatnot, but I don't actively go out and work in it. And I launched my ministry, Liberty Gospel Ministries, as a church ministry. Now, back in 94, I was involved with a church out in Northern California as a lay minister. I was a lay minister for a year, and then at the end of that year, my pastor ordained me within his church. So I received my ordainment years and years back. And which I used in my deliverance work. But uh, I started this church ministry, and what I'm now doing is I'm kind of slowly dovetailing my church ministry in with my deliverance ministry. And over the last 10, 15 years, there's been a real explosion in the paranormal. You know, Absolutely. You see it all over TV, all over movies. You, you see books, magazines. And people are getting deluged with this. And at the same time, you see a, a backing off within the church community. They're, they're backing off on the hardcore teachings of the Gospels, of, of Christ's teachings. They're watering them down. They're backing off on them. They're, they're bringing in and accepting worldly uh, beliefs and whatnot into the churches just so that they can maintain the bodies coming in to fill their coffers. They, they don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to get anyone upset. They want to have a nice, happy little tone. But there's all this sinning going on. The people are losing sight of their salvation. There's, t there's all this preaching of prosperity. Well, we're not supposed to have our sight on what's going on in this world, we need to be keeping our sight on what we receive in the next. Mm -hmm. All right. I, I, so. Excuse me. I'd actually have to 
ask you, and I know we're running out of time, that's why I wanted to get this in, is is you are a paranormal investigator as well, correct? Yes, I, I am a paranormal investigator, though though that has slacked off a bit in the last couple of years. Um, but, but yes, I do. That, paranormal. Does that fit into your church teaching though? So for instance, if you, you, do you, do, for instance, do EVPs or, or no, I don't uh, do EVPs anymore. Okay. I don't do EVPs anymore because, and, and I actually did a show a couple of weeks ago on this called, um, EVPs, investigative tool or 21st century Ouija. Exactly. I mean, basically, that was my point, is that most of the devices and things that we use in paranormal investigating are nothing more than electronic Ouija boards. Right. And and here's the thing. You can do a paranormal investigation, try to seek seek out whatever force is there. All right. I I believe anything intelligent you're going to find there if you can capture it, is going to be something from a dem- demonic realm. All right? But you can do an EVP without doing an EVP. You can set a recorder out and put it in different rooms to see if something is caught without saying, all right, all right, spirits, you know, whatever is here, come forth and talk into this device. No, just put it out there and see if anything comes through. All right? Don't sit there asking questions. All right, that's mm-hmm. that's how you do a non EVP EVP, all right. right? You know, but you can you can put up uh, uh, video cameras and things and see if you can catch anything on a digital end moving or or tra- transgressing through. You can do paranormal study work without doing the things that are more of a Ouija style uh, investigation. Mm-hmm. I gather you got um, your title of uh, demonologist through doing your deliverance work, and because you're a pastor, then that makes you a demonologist because of your past studies. No, no. Demon a demonologist is simply an individual who has put the time in to study what a demon is and everything about a demon. Has nothing to do with the uh, religious work. Right. No, I, I meant that your religious work has focused on that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that that has kind of that's where you've adopted the title from. Right. That's that's just that's more just kind of to I don't know, kind of a, a sign out there for for people who are into the paranormal to kind of recognize where my focus is, mm-hmm. because when you say deliverance, I'm a deliverance minister. You know, people in the paranormal goes, oh, okay, and they move on. All right, but you say okay. demonologist. Oh, you deal with demons? Oh, wow. Look, I had this dark, dark entity that I, was, that I had come up in investigation. Can I talk to you about it? All right, or I've got this client that, that's getting shadows around or they're getting weird noises or this really bad smell. You know, can you help me with that? So that's mainly why I use that title, demonologist, is so that people in the paranormal field will be able to say, oh, okay, I can go to this guy and get some help. Hmm. I mean, uh, I was discussing this this last week, and we thought it would be a good idea to raise it on the show. What what would your opinion be, uh, like these certain Internet sites that are offering people a certificate or diploma or even a degree in demonology within a week? And, you know, they're, they're paying something like $500 or more. I mean, yeah, what's your that's, opinion that's on it as someone that's clearly studied it for some time? 
Yeah, that's that's kind of a joke. You you can't learn all this stuff in a matter of a, you know, a few weeks, and and I don't even agree with the, even the idea of there being a certified deal, um, because no one can really judge a person in their knowledge or or anything like that through a certification process in this field. I mean, my goodness it's it's so vast in all the things that are out there regarding this field it does take years to learn all right but you also have many different viewpoints so are you going to have a certification just for christians and a certification just for catholics and a certification just for jews and you know on and on and on all right it's like how do you focus it down to one thing you can't uh, but it is always good for people who want to get into this to understand that they're dealing with real forces, really powerful forces. Now, they do not have the power of God. All right? They can't read your mind. They can influence your mind, but they can't read your mind. They, they can be in many places seemingly at once, but not at once. They're not omnipresent like God is. Right. But they can move at the speed of light. So, you know, they they can be in different places very quickly. But, uh, you know, these these are things people need to understand. They, they're powerful, but they're limited. And they're limited by, by God and by Christ. And as long as we've got that on our side, Christ on our side and within us, we have the victory over these things. When God, When Christ rose from the dead... And it was, you know, came up in the resurrection. Boom! That was over for Satan. And he's he and his his fallen angels have been really ticked off about this ever since, and been doing everything they can to bring down man and bring him away from God. Right. I mean, we even know that uh, when Jesus was on earth, that the devil uh, tried to tempt him three times. Yeah, and even then, Christ used his father's word to counter him. He used Correct. scripture to counter him. But uh, that's another question I, I do. And now, um, if, if you could quote scripture, uh, there seems to be uh, a, I don't know if it's in your, uh, uh, your particular uh, uh, Christianity, is that people will say that the devil can turn scripture for its own purpose. Yes, yeah, the devil can definitely quote scripture. He did when he tempted Christ. Um, he can appear as an angel of light. You got to remember, these are fallen angels. They were angels before. And in kind of speaking to your hierarchy of demons, all right, just as there, there's different choruses of angels, there's different choruses or whatever you'd call the reverse of that, of demons. Now, saying that, Right. What you see in these occult texts, such as the Lower and Greater Keys of Solomon and the Book of Enoch, those are occult-based items. They, they have no truth in regards to these demons. Right? Those things have helped Satan a whole lot. He was laughing his butt off. When, when men put those things into written word so many centuries ago. Because now his demons have the ability to, they feed off of fear. 
Okay, so if you get a case where there's a, more than likely there's a demon, you don't need to know the demon's name to cast him out. That's the fallacy here. You look at all the times that Jesus Christ cast out a demon, there's only one time he asked a name, right? And that's when he cast, cast the, the multiple of demons into the pigs and they went and committed a hogicide, all right? But he never asked the name. He just said, demon be gone, you know, leave. We don't need to know the demon's name to cast him out. But when you get a demon that will give a name up, is not going to be his name. He is going to give a name that is in the head or the get, will create the most fear in the individual that's hearing it. All right? So they can drive that fear up and feed on that fear. So if the person is particularly scared of rats or something, he's going to give a demon name that they can look up in these false cult, uh, occult texts that is synonymous with some kind of rat demon or something. So they can feed off of that fear. That's, that's the diabolicalness of all that. Hmm. I, I just yeah, want to recap sense. on something that... Oh, sorry, Ron. Um, no, good. Good. Okay, it's just something Ron said earlier about um, over in the UK. We don't, we're not really particularly big on religion here. Obviously, we, we follow the Church of England over here, but um, not many people are as hardcore in religion as most people seem to be over in the USA. So, because of that, we don't really have many calls for demonologists. I mean, I only know one person in the whole of the UK um, that that I know is calls themselves a, a demonologist. So. What what is your opinion on that? Do you think that probably we don't have as many as you guys do? Or? No, it's not that you don't have as many. It's just that you you just don't recognize it when it's happening, all right? Because you're not taught that in your in your church. I, I'm imagine I'm, I'm assuming I'd have to really look at the uh, the Church of England and its beliefs and so forth to get a kind of footing on that. But uh, I just, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens over in Europe that, that has some demonic, you know, roots in. It's just not recognized. Mm. Well, we mainly follow, like, the, the whole idea of the, the Spirit and the Holy Ghost, which comes from, which is mainly pushed in religion over here whenever you do go to church, and they always mention the Holy Ghost, and then... When I've spoken to academics that have come from places like Italy and Germany, a lot of them tend to deny the existence of ghosts. I know that's not true because Europe is quite haunted, but they tend to say, no, no we, we don't get them. We don't get them at all. Well, whether, here, here's the thing I like to say. So whether or not you want to believe in demons, they certainly believe in you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the, excuse me, uh, the interesting thing, uh, Richard Felix uh, believes that one of his theories is uh, why there are ghosts is that uh, because of religion, uh, spirits are afraid to go beyond, and they're stuck in the middle because they fear damnation, and uh, that's why they're here. Well, What's your thought of that? Well, here, here's the thing. You don't have a choice. <laughs> if, if, you, if you did not live your life if you not accept, in, in my view here, a biblical view, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ, all right, there's only one other place you're going to go. And you don't got a choice. You're going there. All right? But 
you know, other religions, they want to pad it. You know, other people, they want to throw in these, these other, other little things to help them feel better about it or, or not to feel that they have to make that, that leap. But here's, here's the joke on all of us. When we die, we're going to find out the truth. All right, as to what's really out there or what really happens in that next step. And, and here's where, what I like to try to tell people, you know, especially when I get into a discussion with, say, an atheist or so forth. You know, I would rather live my life as a Christian and be wrong when I die right, than live my life as an atheist and be right about Christianity when I die. But you're not going to believe this. We just about run out of time. Uh, I want to thank you so much. You've been uh, listening to uh, Pastor Michael Frisbee. Um, Michael, you, you also mentioned you have a radio show as well. When is that radio show on, and, and where can people listen to it? Uh, the radio show is on every Saturday night from uh, seven to nine uh, Eastern Time. Uh, I think we're I think we're five hours behind you guys. Uh, in the in the UK, I'm on the East Coast. So, <laughs> okay. Well, East well Eastern you at New York time. It, it's uh, seven to nine p.m. And uh, you can find us at BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash I mean, sorry, forward slash the Paranormal Christian. Okay, very good. And we want to thank you very much. I know that some people don't agree with you, but, I mean, that's what makes the world the way it is. Uh, we have our opinions, and, uh, uh, you know, there's nothing absolutely wrong with yours if you believe in Jesus Christ. So, uh, Cal, well, I, maybe, I maybe we can convert that. you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's never going to happen. I'll stay in my little science lab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'd love to um, read some more on Richard's theories as well. And Michael, have you got anything? Um, have you done any articles on this? Because I'd love to read a bit more. Uh, yeah, I've actually, I've I've got a, a a bunch of stuff. What I'll do is uh, there's a link on your your website, right, where I can email you stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'll I'll send you a bunch of uh, articles and links and whatnot. But uh, there's something I want you guys to check out. And okay. this might be a, another guest for you in the future, uh, Reverend Mark Hunneman. He wrote a book here called Seeing Ghosts Through God's Eyes. There and, you go. And you could uh, find that at seeingghoststhroughgodseyes.com. All right, Michael, that, I hate to tell you this, we're just about out the door. So I want to thank you so much for being on. You've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Cal Cooper and Ron Kolick on Tojanet Perex Ghost Channel and Beyond. See you next week. Good night and God bless. Thank you, guys. From ghoulies to ghosties, long legged beasties, things that go bump in the night. Deliver